So today we've got the lovely Laura on the podcast with us. Hi, Laura. Hi, how are you doing? Or, or rather, as everybody knows, you're Geordie Scran. You are Geordie Scran queen. Um, so Laura is a food podcaster. What well, a food podcaster? <laughs> food reviewer, we'll call you. Um, among um, that's what do we call it? Your it's not your hobby, is it? Because it's effectively your second job. Yeah, it's kind of, it was a hobby. And then now it's kind of, yeah, it's almost like a little alter ego now. <laughs> it's like a little second <laughs> person that I've got to look after. <laughs> well, yeah, because you've got, you've got to be introduced twice. Yeah. yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about you, a little bit about Laura, your background. So um, I'm 29. I've lived in this, well, Newcastle Centre for about, nine years now um originally from chesley street uh and yeah geordie scran page started up on instagram a couple of years ago um and since then i've been reviewing food but i i work at the moment i work in social media marketing as well so they kind of work together like both jobs yeah i kind of i kind of got the social media marketing job off the back of geordie scran actually so it came, came quite handy um i used to be a like professional photographer and videographer um for a while and then video producer and then kind of natural progression into social media content really that's really good so it's flowed pretty well for you um yeah you can say that it's been all right (laughs) (laughs) so you do obviously this podcast is about food fitness and all things surrounding health um, so for you, you started to open up about your relationship with food and fitness on your Instagram page. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's um, so I think I put something up. I chatted with it about it a little bit on stories and stuff um, over the last probably about a year. Um, then it was I think it was eating, eating disorder awareness week. And I decided that I was going to kind of address the elephant in the room for a lot of people who'd been messaging me about different things. Um, Over the course of me running the food blog, I always get messages. How do you stay in shape? How do you eat all that food? How are you slim? All that sort of thing. And I was on a podcast in the middle of lockdown where I got asked that question. And I was like, oh, I just run a lot. And oh, I just exercise a lot. And I just watch what I eat when I'm not reviewing. And I kind of sold everyone the dream that that was possible. And then it quickly became apparent that there was a hell of a lot more going on and bigger issues going on around my eating habits and my exercise habits, which lockdown had kind of made a lot worse. Um, So then when I started getting these messages saying, oh, how do you say slim? It was kind of like, oh, well, I, I kind of do want to tell, start telling the truth. Um, and it's not as easy as it looks sort of thing. I think um, lockdown was a bit of an eye opener for so many people because I think there was this sort of narrative of, oh, great, this is the time where you can work on yourself and you can improve yourself. And it was almost like this pressure. And I think there's a lot of eating disorders that developed as a result of that. Um and you know then along with that all of the the narrative afterwards of like get rid of the lockdown weight which then is just gonna make those those um eating habits that potentially sort of 
got worse during lockdown even you know it's it's um it's quite crazy really it's but it's it's so amazing that you know for you to speak out about it because I'd imagine it's made such a difference to so many people to to just sort of yeah be real um but it's brave as well to do that uh, especially when your life is so sort of quite public yeah I think it was one of those things that like I think especially over the course of obviously I was never ever that extreme but the whole Nikki Graham situation over lockdown and everything kind of brought it a lot more to people's attention I think whereas prior to lockdown I was fairly active I did have disordered eating 100% but because I would revolve my week around a couple of reviews here and there an exercise around them and was still going to work and all that kind of thing but then when the reviews stopped and I'd get the odd takeaway now and again but all I had to do was either sit in the house and eat or run it was kind of like it, it exacerbated it and I can understand why people like myself who kind of probably had disordered eating prior to that it's made it a hell of a lot worse and for the focus to be so on so much on food over lockdown because there was nothing really else to talk about then I think it probably exacerbated the situation a lot yeah I, I think it, it was the same for a lot of people and I, I know you know it's something that you do revert back to as well it's it's almost like a control thing if you've got nothing else to control at least you can control your food and you can control your exercise and actually you feel like you're in control of it when really it gets to that point where it's in control of you um so for for you when did you start to kind of it's, it's I know for some people it's a light bulb moment for other people it's like a gradual realization so how did you start to recognize that it was a problem rather than a healthy habit I think I'd always because I always saw in my head that I was reviewing food and that I was going out for these nice big meals a couple of times a week it was like the other side of it didn't ever really become an issue um then I actually caught COVID in March 2020, the week that Boris shut the world down. Um, obviously, at the time, there weren't tests or anything, so I didn't know it was COVID. It was just, I was very, very tired. And then a week later, I lost a sense of taste and smell, which isn't great when you're in my position. But um, then following that, I lost my periods. Um, and I kind of put it down, oh, well, I'm not very well. That'll be why. And then they didn't come back at all until December last year. And even then now, it's like an ongoing thing. I think that was kind of a, oh, that's a bit strange, but never really attributed it to anything. Um, I think over the course of lockdown, I've heard a lot of people talk about how everyone was kind of in this fight or flight mode. And I think that's where a lot of people's like pent up energy went um especially in terms of like running and things like that and it's your body was in a constant state of stress and I'd kind of again put it all down to that and then but as things started to ease I was like I still don't feel great mm. and then hair started to fall out or snap and again I just thought oh, just because I bleach it all the time and then it kind of really started to dawn on is that I would just be really really restrictive with myself especially as the world was easing and I was going out for a few more meals I, w- I mean, I went out with my ex to um, at the time uh, to Bringburn Brewery and he sat and had a burger and I had a side salad. 
And I was sat there like, and I took pictures of the burger. I was like, oh yeah, we're down at Brink Brewery. And then I was like, I had a bite of it. And then I had a and So then I had disrupted sleep for a while. Um, quite bad in terms of waking up with pins and needles and like dead arms, dead legs. In my previous job, I'd be sat down for long periods of time um, and I'd go to stand up and all of my legs would have pins and needles and be cold and not be able to feel my toes properly. And I think that's when I kind of realised, I think, hmm, this might be more something I'm maybe doing to myself than just COVID side effects a year on kind of thing. Gosh, it's 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 crazy that. And I think what um, you said before, Amy, with sort of hit the nail on the head with where it's the control thing, isn't it? With like the, the whole world is literally going upside down. You don't don't know what's going to happen you want to get some some sort of control but then it does get too far and then it controls you because that's what I always used to say I always used to say to my uh to my mum no I, I can't control what's going on anything else in my life at the moment but I can control this it's crazy isn't it like yeah it, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that you know all all of that all of those sort of health um conditions that that you had um but you you're out the other side now though yeah it's getting there I think it's definitely an on- ongoing thing I think um if the, all the health issues still aren't aren't completely addressed I still have really bad days mm. I still struggle with body image on a daily basis kind mm. of thing I think in as much as one thing that kind of really especially the control thing completely agree with that I think at the time, the numbers on my Fitbit and how many steps I was doing a day and all that kind of thing was the only thing that I could control um, or how many calories I'd burned and all, but I, I burned 2,500 calories that day, so why can't I do it today? And I'm going to go on another run at 10 o'clock at night because, you know, it's it becomes a numbers game in your head. Yeah. Um, but one thing as well, I think, although I can't knock social media because it's, you know, it's my career now, <laughs> but... Um, one thing that I noticed, I did manage to get away on holiday briefly last year. And I was like sat lying by the pool and I'd obviously stressed about putting a bikini on and everything. And I was sat down by the pool and I was kind of thinking, everyone's just really normal. And I realized that the only real people who I'd seen in bikinis or half naked or whatever had been on the internet for the past year. And obviously these are all images that my brain had taken in for the last 12 months of thinking, well, that's how people look. And then it's not until you're back in reality and you see other people in the street and you see other people with their bikinis on and their wobbly bits and their cellulite and their bits and pieces that you kind of think, well, actually, I'm not that bad. Yeah, I think I think it's a comp- it's a comparison thing, isn't it? So everything that you say in the social media, the numbers that like comparing yourself to other people, but comparing yourself to yourself, it's just insane. It's like things like my fitness pal as well where you're tracking your numbers and and I I was actually talking to Jason I'm writing a post tonight about my fitness pal because I have the app on my phone I used to use it religiously and I can go into that app and look at what I ate in May 2017 and that's not normal but that's that's a way that we view health now like health is a numbers game but it's not like we're all individual people and I think we can always find 
a reason so you're talking about your hair falling out and finding a reason that it's it's nothing to do with something something else that's going on oh it's because of the bleach and and the reason you you were probably not having great sleep and thinking oh well I'm just really stressed about work or I'm and you always have something else to attribute it to rather than actually thinking I need to take that step back and think about my own health because well they're managing to do it and if they're managing to do this then why can't I manage to do it and it's just the way that we are we're basically told now as a society you should move like this you should eat like this but you should still be able to look like this mm-hmm. and it's just not and I think there's a lot of information out there on the internet about how you should be moving more and eating less and this is how you do a calorie deficit and this is how you lose fat and this is how you lose weight but there's not a lot of stuff out there I mean thankfully in the last six months or so I think there has become a lot more about what you do when you reach that weight what you do when you reach your goal weight you look how you want to look because for a lot of people they've become addicted to the process of losing weight and feeling better about themselves and then you reach that point and what no one teaches you how to reverse diet if you've done it on your own no one there's not a lot out there in terms of you know starting to gradually because I was just thinking oh well if I eat more I'm going to put on weight Mm-hmm. end of story like you don't think well actually I probably need to for my metabolism to kick back in and all that kind of thing so it was yeah there's luckily there's a girl on Instagram that I follow um Amelia Goldsmith she's Millie IG fit and her account helped me massively and she's like she struggled with her weight it got really bad over lockdown she's now put on a considerable amount of weight looks great for her and like she's a gym shark ambassador now and stuff so mm-hmm. I think following her made me me made me realize what was wrong with what I was doing. Mm. I think that's amazing as well because when you find somebody else like on Instagram that impacts your life, I guess it then makes you realize that you're impacting other people's lives, and then it kind of gives you that, I suppose, but idea of like responsibility of like okay, right, you know, people are looking at this, and um, which is just, I think is so amazing because people do get so much advice from so many different Instagram accounts and some are just so damaging, but some can just be amazing and, and, and life-changing. So, and it, it's amazing that there, there are accounts because as you say, the focus is on how to lose weight or, you know, how to get to a certain point. But if you're in a, in a smaller body and you need to put on weight, there is, there is very little um well that I mean I've, I've not, not come across and um before obviously the the um this podcast um when you mentioned about um Amelia it's Amelia isn't it um yeah, yeah I was just double check I went and followed her and, and I was looking through her for Instagram and I thought no that's I, I get it I get why you know um yeah she's made an impact it's um yeah and you mentioned about body image how you know I I always like to say is I think with everyone with body image it's 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 not like a linear journey is it it's always so up and down and I think it's having that realistic view that okay some days my body image is just going to be completely shit and that's okay but what can I do just to make myself allow myself to be kinder to myself on those days um which because we yeah we've got a, we, we can give ourselves such such a hard time because we 
in our mind we have to be a certain way we have to look a certain way we have to and it's it's not like that life's not like that yeah I know you mean I think I've always not had the best body image even but then I look at when I was at my smallest and I wasn't happy so it's kind of like yeah I think I've always I've struggled with body image probably for about the past five years I would say yeah and that's the thing with us talking about health before with it being so multifaceted and it's not it you know and it being at the moment it's it's seen as a, a numbers game and you know you could be your ideal weight but then your head as as all of us know is is completely not in the right place and it just it just shows you like what I was at my goal weight and I was the most unhealthiest I've ever been and it it's just yeah but then you you get you get all these like um because my body's gone up and down so much um and you'd get so many compliments when you when you were like when I was like tiny oh do you look great and I was like really in the depths of really really disordered eating then so it's a crazy crazy old world anyway I, I went off on one <laughs> no, no, it's, it's very true like it, same with me I remember being at my we we'd actually gone for a year traveling and I came back um and my biggest fear was despite the fact that I was like I had my shoulder blades were sticking out and I was tiny my fear was that someone would tell me that I looked well because if someone told me that I looked well to look well meant you 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 look chunky you look which is ridiculous Mm-hmm. But it was all I kept thinking if I get into that airport and my parents tell me I look well or that it was it was the worst thing in the world and that's that's a terrifying thought now yeah definitely I think I'd it was this was prior like I think it's like the November before lockdown and I'd gone funny actually I'd gone to a food review and they'd given me food poisoning obviously didn't end up reviewing it in the end but I'd had horrific food poison for about three days um went back into the office on Monday and someone went oh Laura you look amazing you look really slim and I was like got a little bit of a buzz off it and I was like that's not right I was like the the fact that I've come in (laughs) I'll probably look emaciated because I'm like dehydrated and like horrendous and something for someone to turn around and say oh you look really good I'm like oh right okay so I need, I need an, the odd salmonella poison to look decent like do you know what I mean it's yeah but it is terrifying you see people talk the the conversation normally is people get ill and they go oh well at least I'll lose a few pounds and that's that's not it's not healthy it's not a, but it's it's normalized in society that that is a conversation that we have oh well I've been I've thrown up well that's a few pounds gone I'll look better than the bikini that's that's not healthy mm-hmm. but so when did you start to kind of change your habits and how did you go about that because obviously it must have been such a, a huge step change for you because it wasn't just food or exercise it was both that you had to think about yeah I think um it went through it was really difficult to start off with because it was like okay I need to eat more I've established I need to eat more but when exercise is so intrinsic in your day-to-day life and because I was exercising twice a day pretty much before work after work or whatever it was there was still something in my head that think oh well I've ate more so I need to exercise more so I still need to keep doing this 
and I think that's still a balance I'm still trying to strike um I think I kind of started making a more of a conscious effort to address the situation back in I think it was like February last year uh, so it'll be about a year now that I've kind of turned a bit of a corner and again it's the world being back to normal has helped because obviously there's a few more social occasions and things like that going on and I've just been telling myself that you know go enjoy these social occasions because you didn't have them for two years and I think a year ago I would have been like oh well I can only do like I can only go out like twice a week because you know alcohol calories all that kind of thing I should be at the gym I need to train um like I say it's still a balance I need to strike I do enjoy exercise but I've maybe swapped out the more intensive runs for a bit of yoga or just trying to like move my body a bit more or I've I'm lucky the place that I work at the moment do like functional fitness classes so I'm not just cane and cardio five days a week I'm actually going and doing stuff that's going to benefit my body um in the long run which like I say it's still an ongoing thing but yeah one of the things I was actually going to ask you um because it I think it would be quite beneficial for for people to to hear if you do have any advice on after what you've been through sort of um if you are triggered in an in a exercise environment or in a gym like what what sort of coping strategies do you have in place for yourself and what advice if you know there isn't as I say if there's any triggering um I think in terms of I think one thing for me is that I did used to obsess over my Fitbit a lot. Mm -hmm. Now I try and at least take off for a few days out of the month just to kind of, but then now I've tried to, I've got to a point where I was like, you know what, if I haven't burnt as many calories as I thought I had, so what? And I think it's understanding that like I now know, especially as of the last six months, I need to gain muscle and I'm not going to gain muscle if I'm eating in a calorie deficit and running five times a week. (laughs) So, and the more muscle you gain, the more you can eat. So great. Like, so I think it's finding that sort of mindset and telling yourself that it isn't all about numbers, which helps by taking your watch off. Mm. Um, I do enjoy exercising with other people more than I used to now because I feel like I don't know. I think I go to fitness classes and there's other people there who are struggling, or there's like other people there who are doing really well. It's kind of like finding that balance. And although you're not, you don't find yourself comparing yourself so much, but it's like that well we're all in this they've done that and then especially in work go to the gym in the morning and then I come down in there having breakfast I'm like oh that's what a normal person does <laughs> they, they look for the workout then they feel the body properly mm-hmm. and I think that for me helped massively whereas over lockdown you don't spend a lot of time around other people mm-hmm. yeah and I think I think that's the thing I think um I know like for me it's that kind of I used to have, and I still do, um, all like an all or nothing approach, um, which can which can be really really difficult. Because I know you mentioned about ADHD um, in a in in the email previous to the podcast, um, and um, for for me that ADHD runs in my family. All my siblings have got it. My my dad's got it. Um, I have, I'm pretty sure I do, but it's, it, you know, I haven't been diagnosed with it, but it, there's a, a lot of, there's a bit, an element of that as well. And, and yeah, I think that's interesting. Yeah. I think that that's something that's 
became apparent, I think, for me in probably the last the last 12 months, I would say, maybe six or 12 months. Um, <laughs> I, again, follow someone online who has been recently diagnosed with ADHD, a female who's been diagnosed with ADHD, but adult ADHD. Um, and then I started looking into it and I was like, well, this sounds really, really similar. And I can remember being around 12, 13 and turning around to my dad and being like, dad, I think I've got ADHD. I can't concentrate. And him, going, him telling me it didn't exist <laughs> and that I didn't need to concentrate. So, but then looking into it now, the statistics around how more likely you are to suffer from eat, eating disorder if you have ADHD, whether it be for the fine fact that you surely forget to eat or you do it mindlessly, mm-hmm. like you mindlessly binge eat because it's ADHD in female adults is the constant need for stimulation. And the one way that you can stimulate yourself is by eating. And whether that be really, really sugary food or, you know, a lot of some people turn to alcohol or all that kind of thing. And I think over lockdown, I kind of came at the realization I was like, I really, really struggle to organize my thoughts. Mm-hmm. I run my life on Google Calendar. If it's not in Google Calendar, I don't do it. And I can't have spare hours of my life because I will just sit there and before I know it, it's gone. And I think listening to other people's stories, I think, you know, if if you've got ADHD, you're more likely to suffer with anxiety and depression, which is something that I'm open to say that I really did struggle with last year and over the COVID and all that kind of thing. And I think I would like... I'd like to bet that there's a hell of a lot of females around my age and older who have gone undiagnosed for years, simply thinking that they've got an eating problem, simply thinking that they've got anxiety and depression. And there's a whole bigger issue out there that if that was addressed, everything else would sort itself out. I think it opens you up to that level of self-compassion and empathy, because then you start to realize, oh, I'm doing that because of that, not I'm doing that because I'm shit like it, it and, and it just and I think that helps with just general mental health and well-being and and, and body image as well um it all it all sort of is connected so no I totally agree I, I would say that there'd be a huge amount and, and I think it's just more recently where things like ADHD have I don't know become a bit sort of less stigmatized or less like I think back in the sort of generation of or maybe like our, our our parents with like your dad saying oh that's not a thing like it, and it, it didn't really used to be a thing and like dyslexia and like autism and it was just kind of like like my son's got autism and um still there's a lot of sort of a misconception of that and and, and people don't really understand that but um and, and dyslexia so yeah it's all kind of it's sort of the I don't think there's many people that are neurotypical these days. <laughs> no, definitely not. And like, I think now, now I'm going through the process of getting a diagnosis. So I'm being screened currently. Um, and, you know, I've since obviously had to sit down with my dad and he, I've had to name him as one of the people who they kind of like caught in the assessment. Mm. And I've had to sit down and go, look, this is a thing. <laughs> Please go listen to this podcast. Please read this article. Yeah. And this is why I think I've got it. And he turned around and went, I think your mom had that. Ooh. and I was like all right okay because then I think back I was like, I remember my mum as a kid and she'd take a day off work 
and she was like, yeah, I just need a day off work. I need to sit and relax. And I'd come home and she'd rearrange the whole house. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like she'd start painting and like there'd be furniture that had been spray painted in the garage and stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what's going on? I thought you meant to be relaxing. That's so literally me. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it, it definitely does run, run yeah. in the family. Yeah. I, think, I think there are so many, as you're saying, so many things now where we're not new, no many, I can't get my words out. There's not many of us that are neurotypical. But when it comes to health that you can't see, it's something that is completely forgotten. And it, it's normally the thing that impacts the health that you can see. So it need, it does need to be addressed. You're completely right in saying that. Um, one of the things that I know that, that you've done is you've gone through some therapy as well. Um, how did you find that? How, what, if you don't mind talking about what kind of therapy you've done and how you've found going through it because I'll hold my hands up and say I've done it myself um and Kim have you done it yet Kim yes yes and it was amazing yeah and I think what comes out of most therapy is normally you go in with a very clear idea of what you're going to talk about and what the problem is and you leave 45 minutes or an hour later and you think what the hell have I just talked about and where has that come from and I didn't even know that was in the back of my head and that existed um so if you want to yeah how have you found it yeah I think back in back 2019 I went through a bit of a rough patch mostly due to like a bad relationship and stuff and I think that's a that was a lot to do with where like body issues and stuff came from and I had a course of CBT through a local GP and it was terrible it was just a ticking box of oh yeah and I re- quickly realised that if I just said I felt fine and she took the fine, tick the boxes to see I was all fine and let me go. So I was like, right, okay, I'll just do that. Um, luckily, I was in a bit of a better place afterwards, so it didn't have too much of an effect, but it's still underlying things that kind of should have been fixed. So last year, I started with, I think I must have seen about four therapists before I found one that I really, really did click with. And I think as a female, you automatically kind of think, oh, well, I'll go and see a female because they'll understand and actually the guy who I ended up in the end um was amazing uh I originally went to see him because he advertises doing hypnotherapy and it was something I'd always been really really interested in and I thought you know like especially in terms of eating and things like that that sounds great um but he also offered variety of other different techniques um and yeah I stuck with him for probably about six months um and I think I've had a couple sessions this year but it's very few and before it's just when I feel like it now um and luckily I haven't felt like I've needed it as much as I did then but hypnotherapy is incredible I don't know what kind of style you guys have had but oh god no I've never never had hypnotherapy so what tell tell us a bit about that like what because I I the only image of it I have is they literally hypnotize you and you end up doing like a chicken dance or something. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously that's not (laughs) why. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Basically it's like an intense form of relaxation, which for me, someone who doesn't ever really relax was like really like comforting. We had like, the sessions basically would just go like, you'd chat with me for half an hour and go, okay, right, let's try it. And then I'd lie on a bed and he'd almost just talk you through walking down some stairs into a room that you he'd have you imagine a safe space. And that would be where you'd end up going. 
and then he'd kind of like we'd we'd come to discover that a lot of my issues had come from childhood so he'd regress me back to when I was a kid regress me back to my teenage years and have me go and kind of address those issues which was very strange but really really helped from like like in a child point of view I think um and understanding why I'd felt like that and why I was still having like so many issues back to from when you were a kid it's insane and yeah the hypnotherapy thing it is just an intense form of relaxation and then you come out of it and you feel very drained but comforted I think is probably the best way to describe it wow yeah. I need to go and get myself some hypnotherapy that sounds amazing yeah I think therapy in all forms is just exhausting mm. because you've got to address so many issues in such an intensive way because it's not like you would sit normally and and on, on an average afternoon right I'm going to sit and think about all these things that have caused me all of this stress and and you you all of a sudden you're blurting out all of these feelings and all of these emotions so and the fact that you've recognized that some therapists weren't working for you and instead of going well it's not working I'm just going to give up you've you've gone on and found that that's really admirable as well because I think a lot of people I, I know people who have just been once and thought well it's not for me I'm just going to give up on it but I think you've really got to have that fire to want to make a change to keep going with it otherwise you Mm -hmm. just I just don't think you're ready otherwise yeah I think definitely in the first the first few that I did see I did come out feeling like and I didn't just go for one session and I went for a couple of sessions with these people and I did come out feeling drained and knackered like I didn't want to do anything for the rest of the day and then when I finally found Russell, my therapist, he, the hypnotherapy guy, he'd almost give you a pep talk at the end and build you up and be and like send you on your way. And I'd come out and be like, I feel like I could take on the world now. Like, I don't feel, yeah, I feel tired this afternoon once it's all kind of like sunk in a bit more. And I have, you do feel emotionally drained, but I'd walk out feeling like, okay, I feel a hell of a lot better rather than I'm just going to go and sit on my sofa and eat some chocolate and cry for the rest of the night. But yeah. <laughs> No, I, I totally. So my style of therapy that I, I wouldn't even call it therapy. I actually went to, well, I don't know why I'm not calling it therapy because it was therapy, but it, it wasn't like counselling. Um, I did one set of counselling. I imagine you went to the same talking therapies as I did. They're fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually started um, speaking to a guy. So, um. And funny again that you should say male because I was I was the same. I thought a woman would connect with a woman much better, but it it was a, a, a man. And what happened was um, I started to recognize my disordered eating. And at the time I was listening to a podcast and I emailed it in the podcast and I asked a few questions. Um, I lost my period. I came off the pill and I didn't have a period. Um, and at first we did think that it was um, reds, which is when you overexercise, you undereat. Um, mm-hmm. Now I'm sort of five years down the line and I'm, again, I'm, I would always say I'm still battling with the, the exercise and the eating because I don't think it's something that you ever truly suddenly can flip a switch and it's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for me, we were trying to get pregnant 
and I was having all of these tests done and I was trying to slow down and eat more but for me because it was so imminent the pressure was just piling on um, and when I wrote into the podcast they said well yes you recognize that the issue is there um, but you, it's your mindset that you need to change so Dave who I spoke to was actually a mindset coach and he took me through a lot of different ways of just changing my thoughts on not just my, myself because I had a lot of obviously self self hatred because it was my fault that we couldn't get pregnant and it was me that was doing this but why couldn't I just stop because that's the thing isn't it you always go why can't I just I know this is wrong and I know it's it's not doing a good thing for my body but I can't stop because my brain won't allow me to make that change and he was one of the most supportive people and I, I I feel really lucky that I found him and I was having regular sessions and now I can just I can just text him every now and again and, and send him pictures of my daughter and we we were really lucky in the fact that I've actually got polycystic ovaries and endometriosis so I could finally give a reason as to why I didn't get my periods back but it was a full year and a half before we found that out. And then we went through IVF. So having all of that plus COVID plus your business getting plus like everything, it just impacts on you. And I think everybody, everybody has their story that's come out of, of, of the last two years. But for a lot of people, the fact that we're now talking about these issues that would have had we not had these two years locked inside would we ever have been talking about this and would we be dealing with these issues together and, and supporting each other I think it's a huge thing yeah definitely I think as well going back to like the whole losing your period kind of thing I think one obviously it must have been horrendous to have to think that you're responsible for if you can't get pregnant or whatever like that but I've I've obviously been in my GP and I said look I haven't had a period in like 18 months what's going on and I like I say I've slowed down tried my best and they're like oh well are you trying to get pregnant I was like no I'm probably the most single I've ever been in my life I'm not trying to get pregnant but there's still something wrong and I think unless you are actively seeking to have a child they kind of don't really want to know and it's yeah. kind of an interesting thing of like well, no, but I'm 29 and realistically, if there is something wrong and we don't maybe address it now, it could probably get worse. And then when I'm 35 and I do want to have kids, then um, if I get told no, like. I think that's a big thing with female health as well. It's so under-researched and quite often they'll just brush things under the carpet until it becomes an issue. And it's like, but why should we wait until this is a problem and this is an issue for you for you to actually do something about it if we're going to a health professional and saying I'm concerned about this I'm worried about this I feel like there's a bigger reason behind it they shouldn't be saying well is it really a worry is it really this they should be saying okay let's do something about it but I think even the health professionals are so new now to the whole relationship with health and, and fitness, nutrition, it's sort of scary for, for them as well because they are basically taught that weight equates to health and they're not taught about everything in between. And it's, it's people, even like myself and Kim, who are trainers, we're taught when we first get, 
go into the fitness industry, right? Well, everybody does it for for weight loss and to change their body, and that's that's not the reality. And it's we've got to actively go out and try and find other reasons people exercise other ways of training other mm-hmm. we've got to get that information ourselves so it's got to be so hard from a health professional NHS perspective of okay we've got to learn all of this stuff but actually what we've learned is not necessarily right it's it's mm-hmm. it's so frustrating like we could talk for hours about BMI yeah mm-hmm. yeah definitely that's the thing as well like I've always thought I always used to think oh well you know I don't obsess over that much because I don't weigh myself I don't have a set of scales I don't weigh myself so I don't obsess but it's Fitbits and calories and steps and all that kind of thing and I was measuring myself in whole other ways rather than stepping on the scales once a week or whatever so I always thought I didn't have a problem but I did <laughs> so and it's it's difficult as well because you've got you know from from sort of the perspective of sort of the NHS and they're under so much pressure as well and they only have like 10 minutes per um you know my my um uh, closest friend she's a GP herself and oh goodness I wouldn't wish that job on anyone because it's literally like they get 10 minutes per patient and it's and it's got to be bam 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 and and um yeah and it doesn't justify obviously not picking something up but it 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 is it is it's it's so difficult you know from both sides it's um so I mean what advice were you given about um when you went to see the doctor about your period did they just not really say much then I went through various tests um and they're still ongoing. It's kind of like I've been for tests for my thyroid. I've been for tests for um, genetic tests because there's some certain things that run in my family, but that's all came back clear. It's mm-hmm. like they're still ongoing and they still don't know what the issue is. Like I say, I think over the course, since having COVID in March 2020, I've had two periods and both of which were after both of my COVID vaccines. And wow. that's it. And it's been, I've been researching as much as I can about stuff like that, Mm. which is, yeah. And that's sort of an interesting thing, whether it's related or not, don't know. But again, ongoing, um, hopefully get some answers in the next few months. But one initial thing when you were saying about the 10 minute appointments, the scary thing for me was in the summer last year when I literally rang my GP and said, my therapist thinks that I might need antidepressants. And within five minutes, she'd written me a prescription for them. And I was like, the same day, went and got them from the pharmacy. And that was yeah, it. I was on eight yeah. persons. I was like, no. they didn't work for me at all. Um, but I was like, that's a bit terrifying. It, yeah. No, it really is. It really is. And, and I think that um, antidepressants, they can help so many people, but sometimes that's they need more they need more than that so I I was prescribed antidepressants um and but I wasn't I wasn't told I'll go go to therapy I I did that myself and and the it was just a phone phone call consultation and you know you you can look at it in, in in a number of different ways but I think ultimately 
therapy is the answer but then I, I guess that's a very privileged thing to say then in, in itself because not everyone has access to that and and then in that case the answer would be um you know taking antidepressants it's it's so it's so difficult and it's like anything in health really it's not just a one size fits all and there's not just one answer because it is so there's so many levels to to everything really yeah um, I think what I've came to realize is that that point when I got put on them it was probably as my body was starting to revert back to how it had been after the the, probably the more severe point of the disordered eating so my hormones were all over the place and then throw antidepressants in the mix and it just didn't know how to cope whatsoever and it made it worse but like you say therapy was the absolute savior of that and like you say again it's a privileged thing to say but I think no matter how who I speak to about it it's like how much would you spend on going on holiday for to escape reality for a couple of weeks when actually go and address what's wrong with reality yeah <laughs> with that money <laughs> it's so true yeah you might not need that holiday yeah yeah so um, you you've talked about obviously your dad um have you got sort of a quite a close family then and, and what were they like when you started recognizing that you had sort of these problems with your your exercise and and the way that you were eating were they supportive so um obviously over lockdowns if I didn't see my family I live on my own um I was with someone at the time and he was the only person who ever saw me on a regular basis um my dad was always aware that I was into my fitness and things like that um but no one no one ever flagged it no one ever sat me down and went look what you're doing like I think I don't know whether I hit it well or what me mine and my dad's relationship's better now I'm older um my mum died when I was like in my like early teens so it's kind of been that sort of thing I've never had like that very strong like female figure in my life although I've, I've got some brilliant close friends and like family friends and stuff like that who were there when I was younger but I because at the time the only person who would see me really on a regular basis enough to notice would be my partner then it was it was mm-hmm. I don't think in and my dad's like typical northern bloke won't talk emotions and stuff like that or like anything so it's mm-hmm. he, he would have never brought it up would you say that like one of the reasons maybe is because the sorts of behaviors that we're it's so normalized and and you know doing all of that sort of over exercising and and tracking everything is like I'm just talking from my point of view it's promoted and it's normalized and it's people bond over it and if it wasn't that way in an ideal world, then it, it perhaps would would be picked up a bit more um, by by people. I think, you know, I, I see every day um, on my own personal social media, and uh, and you can see, but it, but then it's you can see that people are, are, are. I don't know. It sounds a bit judgmental, but I, I'm and I'm not judging. Um, because I was there with the disordered um, relationship towards exercise and, and food. And, and as I say, it's some days it's, it's still um, tough, but it's difficult to approach it sometimes as well, isn't it? And, and it's difficult to spot it when, when it's, it is so normalized. It's, 
it's tough. Yeah, definitely. I think I've, I grew up around, this is going to sound really bad, I grew up around my dad making comments if people had put weight on. Mm. Like, oh, I'd hit how such and such. Oh, they've piled it on a bit. Or lockdown's not been good to them. Or like, do you know what I mean? I think, and then it makes you overly conscious of yourself. Yeah. And you think, oh, well, if, if you're thinking that about them, then that's how everyone must think about everyone. And like you say about people spotting whether you've lost weight or not, that was when, for me, the food blog side of things, I, I, got, I got it in my head. I was like, people are just going to think that I've really let myself go. And I've got to like, not got to post pictures of myself. I don't have to post them for myself if I don't want to. But it's kind of like my biggest fear was someone messaging me saying that I'd look like I'd put on weight or something like that. And or seeing me out and then thinking, oh, you don't look like you do on your Instagram or whatever kind of thing. So I think that was something that because I've grown up like that, it's in it, it kind of gets in your head a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it does get to you on like a subconscious level, doesn't it? When you, you're growing up around sort of and because it, it again, it, it is it was normal and it's not as normal to, to comment on people's bodies. Um, and I think now I, I don't know with. All, all sort of the, the people that, that I follow it's kind of not acceptable to to comment on somebody's body um and um but it, I, I don't know but that's just based on because of the algorithms and who I follow but I, it is still fairly normal especially the older generation to to sort of you know it got to a point where I like people would message me like if I even if I was sat there with a burger and I'd put up a picture or whatever and people would message me saying, oh my god how are you so slim how do you do it and it got to the point where it really started to annoy us and really started to piss us off because I was like you don't know half of it you don't know like would, would if you saw someone who was severely overweight eating a salad would you ask them why like do you know what I mean you wouldn't so why does it work the other way around yeah. and I remember really losing my temper with some people I'm like it's, it's it's not their fault that's just society that's just how people function unfortunately that's how everyone views it you can't get angry at those individuals for just seeing what a lot of other people are maybe thinking yeah the problem is we always take things at face value so if you think that somebody looks fine and they're doing really really well that's automatically what you assume it's it's the social media effect it is like you never post pictures of the things that are, are I don't post pictures of my daughter when she's like thrown up all over me and like pooed out like you don't post that you post like the nice pretty pictures and and that's that's kind of the bad side of it like we need to normalize all of these things so that people feel more comfortable and more understood and more seen and the more that we have conversations like this the easier it becomes for everybody else mm-hmm. um so one of one of my questions is what was your weirdest rule because I remember my rules were a workout was only worth it if I burned at least 300 calories and um, I stopped eating peanut butter, which anybody that follows me knows that now I've got at least five different varieties of peanut butter in my cupboard at any one time. And my cousin's actually coming from New Zealand next week and has bought a case of different kinds of peanut butters for me to try. And like, how how did this joy disappear from my life for so long? So, what were your what were your weirdest rules? Oh, 
I had, I probably had a lot, really. I'd, I used to work 12 hour shifts. Mm-hmm. So if I was on, if I used to work like three, seven day fortnight schedule, so I'd get three days off a week or four days off a week. Um, if I was, I'd only allow myself maximum a thousand calories to eat on a day that I was at work because I was at work and I did, wasn't doing anything. But then even then I'd still manage to find time to go for a walk or something on a night. Um, that was one of them. I think I got addicted to hitting calorie goals on Fitbit, that sort of thing. Um, I wouldn't have snacks in the house at all. Um, all snacks would be left in my car. As ridiculous as that sounds, I live in a flat, so I would have to go to down two flights of stairs to get anything out of my car. Um, yeah, but now stuff's in my car because if I'm get hungry at work, I can go out of my car and get snacks from my car. <laughs> so just little things like that. Um, again, probably only really allow myself to eat out twice a week, even though I, if I, if I wanted to eat out every night on a review, I could. Um, yeah, it's it was mad looking back. Now I'm just trying to be kinder to myself. But yeah, that was probably it. No, I, I think remember that's... I got um massive like protein anxiety as in like I had to have protein in every single meal and like excess protein. And if it didn't if a meal didn't have protein in it, then I wouldn't be interested. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't have like pasta with a load of veg because mm. like where's the protein? You know, it, it had to have like loads of chicken breasts and like broccoli and just yeah. I mean, it 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 yeah. That I think that was my biggest thing. And but and I I used to get like such bad stomach aches from the amount of protein that I used to eat. Like yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> I was obsessed yeah. with protein. I think I always used as well if I hadn't planned to eat much or whatever for a day because I wasn't planning on exercising I'd make myself drink ridiculous amounts of either water or sugar-free pop just try and fill myself up or if that didn't work I'd start eating like pickles out of a jar because I was like they'll fill us up they'll be fine and yeah just little things like that if I knew I was going out for a meal that evening I wouldn't allow myself much at all during the day Mm -hmm. um which now I know, then that just means that when I get to that meal, I'm absolutely starving. I end up overeating, make myself feel sick and then feel horrific about it for the next three days. So, yeah. That's crazy, isn't it? It's like, I used to have um, time rules as well. So like, you have to wait until this time to eat and then you can't eat again until this time. And it'd be like, you could be sat there absolutely starving but it's tough. You're not, you're not allowed, you're not allowed to eat or you're not allowed to eat until you've burned X amount of calories. That, that was always a big one until, until you've, you've hit your goal or you've doubled your goal or eat, like it, it gets, yeah. it gets ridiculous. And these are ridiculous things that we fix it on. So now with like an encyclopedic knowledge of how many, how many calories was in what foods. Like, <laughs> and it's so hard. Yeah, I used to love like smashed avocado on toast with a poached egg. And then I was like, do you know how many calories are in avocado? Take that off. I'll just have a poached egg on toast. Thank you. Like, it was crazy. That's the worst thing. If you start taking avocado out of your life. (laughs) (laughs) No, the worst thing is taking peanut butter out of your life. I'm I'm just going to vouch for (laughs) it. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it is mad though, isn't it? Because even now, like, I can't get rid of that knowledge. That knowledge is always yeah. going to be there. But now, instead of looking at a plate and, like, counting up the calories, I look at it and I go, oh, that looks nice. So, like, you, you can <laughs> actually appreciate it for what it is. And I can yeah. stop doing things like weighing my vegetables, like, mm-hmm. before I put them on my plate. Like, I remember telling my mom that once and I being like, vegetables but yeah. why and it's it's just crazy so now on the flip side tell us what do you find what do you enjoy the most whether it's eating exercise going out and of course you have to give us your best foodie spots I think favorite exercise I do, I do love yoga. I do still like running. I'm starting to get back into it. I've got the Great North Run in September, so I do actually still need to run. <laughs> um, yoga. I used to do aerial yoga before lockdown. I haven't been back properly since. I really do need to pick that up again because I loved aerial yoga. Um, now, just allow myself a little bit more like cake and things like that. Like I used to go out and sit in coffee shops and have black coffee. I'm like, where's the fun in that? Why am I sat in Starbucks having black coffee that I could have made myself at home? And when I can have a nice chai latte and not feel bad about it. In terms of favorite foodie spots, um, I absolutely love at the moment because it changes quite regularly, as you can imagine. Um, the Magic Hat Cafe in town. I don't know whether he is been before but um yeah it's like a food waste kitchen that take all of the food that's been thrown out by the supermarkets and they'll create the most incredible dishes with the food waste and then everything else is page of feel on the you can buy your loaves of bread or whatever but that's like it's almost like michelin plate style food and it is so cheap and so tasty and such like a really nice initiative as well because i think that's one thing i used to really struggle with i used to I think probably because I was kind of restricting myself so much. I hated food waste. I hated throwing anything away. I hated, like, I, I just couldn't bring myself. I'd have stuff in the freezer. I would, I would, like, eat half a meal, and when I started to feel a bit full, I would just put the rest in the freezer. And then my freezer was overfilled with, like, half-eaten meals. <laughs> but, so, yeah, like, that initiative, I, I do really like. Oh, that sounds amazing. I have to go there. I've not Whereabouts in town is it? It's up near the Lang Art Gallery, so just like hidden way around the corner. Um, but yeah, it, it's so good. Yeah, I've been stalking it for a while. That does sound I've... good. Uh, aerial yoga sounds a bit of fun as well. Yeah, did you do that in Northern Pole? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I used to, well, I used to, when I could, like, have time to go out and, and do do things, I used to, I used to do pole at Northern Pole. Oh, yeah. It's so much fun. I really, really miss it. And I really wanted to try silks as well at some point, because. Yeah, we ended up doing a bit of um, choreography kind of thing. They've got a dedicated aerial studio now downstairs, which is pretty cool with all the hoop and everything. So, although I can't do hoop, it just bruises. I just get covered in bruises. <laughs> much better, much rather the socks. Oh, I need to give it a go. I, I keep telling my husband one day he's going to get home at a reasonable hour so that I can, like, get in the car and go and do something. But, you know, <laughs> it's not, not happened yet. Oh. It's been lovely to chat to you. Is there anything else that you would like to say before we go? No, I think we've kind of covered. I think for me, the most important part of this was that I wanted 
to kind of, not burst people's bubble but like kind of give people a bit of a reality check on stuff because like I say I do get a lot of questions around fitness and diet and all that kind of thing and I do feel like I was probably a bit misleading a couple of years ago to a few people who didn't really realize the struggles and like me following Amelia if people who follow me have had similar things happen and now know the whole story if I've helped even just one person kind of realize that they might have a bit of an issue um and I'm always open to talk I know I, I get quite a lot of direct messages and stuff on Instagram but if it's I'm always happy to listen to people as well so if anyone does need any support I'm more than happy to message it's great to know for, for people to know that there there is help out there and there is you know a light on the other side like it, it you know it, it's it's and it's great that you've been so honest and, and open and, and and you know it's a it's a journey that that all of us have been through obviously that you've been through and it's not literally as, as you said it's a it's not you don't flick a switch and one day you, you're woken up and you're cured from you know disordered eating and, and things it's um it, I think it's a daily daily um sort of daily work on it really and I think talking about um sorry I think it's, just, it's something I'm gonna have to just live with I think it's something that's I think never ever going to be able to get to retrain my brain to think in a mm-hmm. different way it's always going to be there but it's just managing that and then catching myself mm-hmm. doing it and being like no you need to stop that yeah but then it's it's that it's finding that that um, understanding, you know, we've 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 mentioned about with the ADHD and and things, and you know, once you kind of get to know, I guess how how you think and how your brain works. Again, as I said before, it just opens you up for that that empathy, and I think um, that's really important as well. Is is getting to know ourselves and sort of yeah. And I think with a lot of people, it is the fear of there's something wrong with me I'm the only one going through this I and and no if nobody else speaks out and opens up about it then you're always going to feel so isolated and alone so if one person just one person talks about it that one voice in a whole crowd of people can speak to so many and I think that you're doing that and I think it's amazing and I think you will have a huge impact on a lot of your followers without even realizing it. So you might never ever hear from any of them, but it will make a difference to them. So it's amazing that you've done it. I do hope so. I do hope, I think, especially even if people start to spot the patterns in other people. Because yeah. I think, had someone pulled me aside and gone, look, like, if you really thought about what you're doing, I think that probably would have helped um unfortunately I didn't get that so it's kind of I think look yeah just knowing what to spot in other people is a really important thing as well yeah definitely 100 yeah it's been lovely to speak to you Laura yeah you too thanks for having me thanks so much for coming on